Let's bow our heads to pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have spoken to us in the Scriptures. Help us now, we ask, to hear your voice with the help of your Holy Spirit and to believe it and to learn to obey it in Jesus' name. Amen. <coughs> what is the most valuable thing that you have? I was in a cafe and I overheard a conversation on the next table and a woman said to her friend, I would rather be on the borderline financially and be working for myself than be financially secure and working for someone else. I am never going to work for someone else ever again. So being self-employed is more precious to that woman even than financial security. Wonder what is more precious to you than anything else in your life. This is uh, the start of a new series called How to Live Happily Ever After. And as you will have gathered, it's on the second letter of the Apostle Peter. And we're looking this morning at just the first two verses by way of introduction. And straight away it becomes clear what matters most to Peter. Hence my title, You've Got to Have Faith. So let me read to you those two opening verses again. Simeon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ, may grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. So it's immediately clear that the theme of this letter is going to be the faith that Peter has. What is that faith? It's faith in Jesus. In the space of those two verses, Peter names Jesus three times. So how would you define yourself in a few words? Well, Peter defines himself here as a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ. In other words, his life is all about serving Jesus because Jesus has called him and Jesus has sent him. And then he speaks of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. And at the end of verse 2, of Jesus our Lord. Again and again in this letter, Peter speaks of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And then in chapter 3, verse 18, Peter ends his letter where he began. With the words, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory, both now and and to the day of eternity. Amen. So Peter's faith is faith in Jesus. Peter has a living relationship with him. He knows about him. He knows him personally. He lives to serve him. And again and again, incidents in Peter's life make clear just how valuable his faith in Jesus is to him. And I want to just take a, a bit of time to have a look at some of those. So for instance, Peter's faith is more precious to him than his job and his livelihood. Mark chapter 1, verses 16 to 18, tell how early in his public ministry, Jesus came to Peter while he was fishing with his brother. So that was the family business. That was their job and their livelihood. And Jesus said to them, 
said to, said to, to those guys, follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. And Mark says, immediately they left their nets and followed him. So following Jesus was more important to Peter than his job and his livelihood. Peter's faith was more important to him than money. After the death and resurrection of Jesus, Peter makes a telling remark on one occasion when he's faced with a beggar, a man unable to walk from birth, who asks him for money. This is Acts chapter 3, verses 1 to 10. In fact, God uses Peter to heal the man. But first of all, Peter says to him, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. He has no money. Why? Because he gave up his pursuit of money to follow Jesus. Faith in Jesus was more important to him than money. Peter's faith was also more important to him than avoiding suffering. So in Acts chapter 5, that tells how he and the other apostles were hauled up in front of the religious authorities for telling people about Jesus. And the account ends, this is Acts 5, 40 to 41. And when they'd called in the apostles, they beat them and charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. Then they left the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. And they just carried on preaching Jesus where they'd left off. Peter's faith was more important to him than comfort or avoiding suffering. And as that same incident shows, it's also more important to him than the approval of the authorities, even if that meant getting into serious legal trouble. And Peter's faith is more precious to him than all of his ethnic and religious traditions as well. Peter had been an Orthodox Jew and proud of it, but the risen Jesus showed him that all that had to change as well. The good news, the good news of Jesus was not just for the Jews, but it was for the whole world, all the nations of the earth. So in Acts 10, 28, Peter, having just learned this lesson, says to the Roman, Cornelius, you yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate with or to visit anyone of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without objection. His ethnic and religious traditions have to undergo radical change because of his faith in Christ. So is anything more precious to Peter than his faith in Jesus? No, not even life itself. He preferred to die than to give up his faith. Verses 18 and 19 of John, John's Gospel, uh, chapter 21, tell how the risen Jesus said to Peter, Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted but when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. And John explains this, he said, to show by what kind of death Peter was to glorify God. And after saying that, Jesus said to him, follow me. And that's what happened. There is a very strong tradition that rather than deny Jesus, 
Peter was crucified upside down. So when Peter talks in verse 1 here about his faith, we can at least begin to see just how important it is to him. More important than his work or money or avoiding suffering or having the approval of the authorities or his ethnic and religious traditions or even life itself. What then is this faith in Jesus? You can sum it up under two brief headings. Jesus is our saviour and Jesus is our Lord. First of all, Jesus is our saviour. Peter writes this letter, verse 1, to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of our God and saviour, Jesus Christ. What then does it mean for Jesus to be our saviour? Well, let me mention three things. First of all, this faith is the gift of Jesus to us. Faith is obtained from Jesus. All we do is accept it. Jesus saves us by giving to us a faith that trusts him for salvation. Secondly, this faith comes through the righteousness of Jesus to the unrighteous. What does it mean to be righteous? It means to be perfect and perfectly in the right with God. What does it mean to be unrighteous? It means to be a sinner, living in rebellion against, rebellion against the rule of God in our lives and therefore living as an enemy of God, deserving nothing but condemnation and death. To be saved means to be rescued from that condemnation and death that we deserve. How then can the unrighteous be saved? The answer is through the great exchange that took place when Jesus died for us on the cross. The Apostle Paul puts it like this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. For our sake, he, God the Father, made him, God the Son, to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. In other words, when Jesus dies, all of the sin and guilt of the unrighteous, that's you and that's me, is transferred to the account of Jesus as if he and not us had rebelled against his father. And then the penalty of all of, the, all of our sin and guilt, uh, all that that deserves is paid by him. The death we deserve, he died. And what is more, all of the righteousness of Jesus is transferred to our account. So when it comes to judgment, God looks on us as if we had lived like Jesus. And when it comes to welcoming us into his family and loving us, God looks on us as if we were Jesus, his beloved son. As Peter puts it a bit further on in chapter 1 verse 9, if we have faith, then we have been cleansed from our former sins. They are washed away, swept away as if we'd never done them. So the fact that Jesus is our saviour through faith also means we are no longer in danger on the day of judgment. And the fact that Jesus is our saviour through faith also means that we can look forward, as Peter says in chapter 3 verse 13, to new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. One, faith is a gift. Two, faith comes through the righteousness of Jesus to the unrighteous. Then thirdly, because Jesus is our saviour by faith, verse 2, grace and peace 
are multiplied to us. God looks on us with a favor that we can never deserve. And whatever happens in our lives, and whatever the future holds, we have total security with God, knowing that we're safe in his hands. And to know that is beyond price. Jesus is our Savior. Then secondly, Jesus is our Lord. What does Peter mean by that? Well, here are four aspects of the Lordship of Christ that Peter speaks about in this letter. First of all, Jesus is God. He is, verse 1, our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. He is God become man. So through him and him alone, we can know God. Secondly, Jesus is all-powerful. So he is the source of everything that we need. Chapter 1, verse 3, his divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. He doesn't give us everything we want, but he uses his power to give us everything we need. He is all-powerful. Thirdly, Jesus is in control. He's in control of the whole cosmos of space and time. So chapter 3, verse 8, but do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord... One day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. And he's in control of our lives. So chapter 3, verse 9, the Lord is patient towards you, not wishing that anyone should perish, but that all should reach repentance. Our destiny is in his hands. He's in control. And fourthly, all glory belongs to him. It's on that note that Peter ends this letter, chapter 3, verse 18. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. So that's the essence of this faith that's so precious to Peter, and you can see why. Jesus is Lord and Jesus is Savior. That is Peter's faith in outline. More important to him than his livelihood or money or comfort or approval or his national and religious identity or even life itself. And the amazing thing is that he is writing this letter, he says, to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours. In other words, you may not be an apostle who spent those years with Jesus, but the faith that Jesus gives you is the same faith that Peter has. So the knowledge of himself that Jesus gives you is the same knowledge that Peter the apostle has. The relationship that you have with Jesus is the same relationship that Peter has. The faith of a believer today is just as precious as Peter, Peter's faith was to him. The value of a diamond is not affected if you think it's just a chip of glass. You may not realize how valuable faith in Christ is, but if so, you are the one who loses out if you give it away or if something else takes over that is relatively worthless. And the test of how valuable we know faith in Jesus to be is what we do when we have a choice. We've seen the choices that Peter made. But what would we do if we had a choice between our livelihood or Jesus? Which one would we choose? Or between money and Jesus? Or a pain-free life 
and Jesus, or approval and Jesus, or the traditions that mean most to us and Jesus, or life itself and Jesus. At those junctions in the road when we have to choose, which way would we go? Which way do we go? Would we give anything to know Jesus by faith? If not, then we haven't understood that apart from him, everything is ultimately worthless. We haven't understood the danger we're in without him. We haven't understood how valuable faith in Christ is. So the challenge of this letter is for us to hold faith in Christ as dearly as Peter did. That was the choice that Archbishop Thomas Cranmer, the author of the Book of Common Prayer of the Church of England, had to make at the time of the persecution and executions under Queen Mary. He literally had to choose between his faith in Christ as Savior and Lord and escaping being burnt to death. And he wavered. But in the end, he chose Jesus. And he perished in the flames. The choices we make are generally not so dramatic. But they are just as real. And they have the same eternal consequences. What can deprive us of this precious faith? Well, we'll see these dangers as we work our way through this letter. There is the danger of spiritual blindness, failing to see how precious our faith in Christ is. Or the danger of forgetfulness, willfully ignoring what we know in our heart of hearts to be true. Or the danger of skepticism and scoffing, dismissing God's promises as worthless fabrications. Or the danger of listening to the lies of those who deny that Jesus is Savior and Lord. And there were plenty of them around in Peter's day, as there are now. What do you do if someone tries to destroy what is more valuable to you by far than anything else could possibly be? You defend it. You fight off the attackers in whatever way is appropriate. And that's what we're going to see Peter doing in this letter. His faith that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior is under grave threat. More than anything else, this letter is intended to head off that threat. Not in his own life. By this time in his own life, Peter's own faith in Jesus is absolutely secure. But he is desperate that others do not get dragged away from Christ and throw over the faith. So what about us? Is faith in Jesus Christ more valuable to us than anything, absolutely anything else? What do the choices we make show about what is most important to us? Let's bow our heads to pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the gift of faith. Thank you that by faith we take hold of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. 
Help us, Heavenly Father, with the help of the Holy Spirit to grasp more and more the greatness of this gift. Teach us, we pray, to value it more than anything, even life itself. Teach us to defend it and use us by the power of your Spirit to pass it on to others so that they too might know for themselves our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen.